Yeah, welcome. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I've never been on a podcast before. Yeah, yeah. It's, it feels like a long time coming. I mean, we've been chatting about it a while and because I moved to London, I got delayed and all sorts. But mm-hmm. yeah, pleased to finally be chatting with you. Yay. Yeah. yeah, you too. Yeah, I haven't seen you since we met in Camden a few years ago. Yeah. For Future Meetup, was that it? Mm, yeah, that's yeah. pretty good, yeah. Mm. Wow. That's yeah, we met up with um, Lisa and Michael and we drank on Primrose Hill and they were really excited that you could drink in the streets in the UK and they thought it was amazing. <laughs> I remember. Yeah, that's good. They're good times. Um, mm. Primrose Hill, that was a really nice, that's a really nice area of London, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. My friend works around there, um, a design agency around there. I, I used to really like it. I used to go there all the time. I miss London, but not at the moment. It's a bit scary. Yeah, yes. Um, yeah, definitely a bit scary. Uh, I haven't really visited much other than just where I've been living. Um, yeah. To be honest, it's been, uh, yeah, not not really because of the virus. Just at the weekends, I'm just done with, I'm just don't want to do anything. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> So to work worked over worked out and then that's it just relax yeah. the weekend but but, um, but yeah no it's strange times for sure um, mm. how's how's I guess we'll, uh, people should know who you are um, so who are you and what, what do you do <laughs> uh, my name's Lydia Lydia Hill <laughs> and I'm an illustrator I do some animation but I mean I'm an illustrator that animates I'm not smart enough to be a full animator yet I don't think it's very hard. But um, yeah, no, I'm an illustrator. I've been freelance full time since I graduated last year, and uh, yeah, yeah. Nice, nice. <laughs> how's uh, how's it been since since graduating? Uh, good. Like, um, it was one of those things where I graduated, and obviously I was like, oh, well, of course I'm gonna have to get another job and figure it out, and just hard work but I think mostly dumb luck and very good timing just gave me a few jobs which and then like I got my first book deal from someone seeing my work at my degree show Mm. and so I had that big chunk of work in and so I was like oh my god I can actually just do this now and uh, then just hopped from job to job and I'm still doing it it's like every day I'm like I'm doing it it's actually happening I'm still doing it (laughs) so yeah, no, it's been good, surprisingly. So, a bit weird, honestly. But, yeah. Yeah, it's been, it's been a, an interesting one. I only found out that you graduated last year. I thought you'd I thought you done it the year before for some reason. And um, I think my, my, top, my, top, my time sort of messed up with the virus yeah. and what's going on this year. But, um, but I went, so I went to the graduation show. Was it, did you, you were at DNAD, right? No, right. I wasn't. No, okay. my university wasn't. My lecturers uh, were like, oh, DNAD doesn't mean anything anymore. It does. Uh, and so we didn't go. And uh, <laughs> yeah, it was really lame. I, okay. I heard it was great. I did, um, oh, I can't remember, something brewery? Oh, yeah, Truman Brewery. Truman yeah. Yeah, 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 it wasn't DNAD. It was uh, before that. But yeah, right. no. Okay, so I didn't miss you. So I, I was confused because I was... I was there doing uh, a thing for the podcast, sort of recording little clips for it to help people out. Mm. Um, a little bit of advice for students. Um, that's on YouTube if anyone wants to go and check it out, I guess. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so, so I thought I'd miss you. I thought, well, surely if you were there, I would have seen you or, or I'd recognise you somehow. But okay. <laughs> yeah, obviously I didn't miss you. Good. Um, 
Yeah, no, that's yeah, that's nice. That's it's good. Um, they graduated and you, you're coming in, and uh, it seems to be hit the ground running, right? It seems mm. to be going pretty good. Mm, yeah, like I said, I'm not sure what's going on and why it's <laughs> still like every month I've been like, now I'll get that part time job, and then another job comes along, and I'm like, oh my god, it's still happening. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, no, yeah, I'm very surprised. I feel very lucky. Lots, lots of luck. I think. Well, one thing I was wondering, um, and we start the conversation off with this, with the topics uh, I sent over, is sort of mm. growing, growing your, your talent as uh, as a creative. Because I feel like I'm not sure if it's just because I'm watching the industry a bit more, and, and I'm that of that generation that are coming through. But um, I feel like we're the age of talent is getting lower and lower, and the people that are getting hired mm. for things is lower and lower. And mm. like, there's some amazing students coming out of things coming out of university and coming out of uh, like just popping up even if they haven't gone to uni and all sorts so how, how did you sort of nurture your talent through uni and like do things on the side and like I guess build up this presence so when you did come into the industry it was there you're ready to go mm, I mean it started so young like I grew up on a tiny little island where there was nothing to do so I became very online like very young <laughs> like um... I didn't know this where, where did you grow up uh, Hailing Island. It's this okay, tiny little the island Chavos. off the yeah. south coast. It's next to Portsmouth, so I tend to just tell people I'm from Pompey. But um, <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely, it's a super lame place to grow up. Nothing to do at all. And so naturally, I became super online and just such a big dork. And uh, with that, just comes you know getting into like your anime shows and your nerdy stuff. And then from that comes a DeviantArt account and a Tumblr account and you start drawing silly anime fan art of things and posting it on the internet and so I was like drawing silly art like albeit terrible but drawing art and putting it on the internet from when I was like 13 like I got a whack on when I was 13 and was nice. way too online it was really bad I should have gone outside more but um <laughs> Yeah, no, I think I think maybe that's why so much so many younger people are like, you know, conquering the world because it's you, everyone's so online. You can mm. you can teach yourself it and do it at like eighteen now. It's crazy, but yeah, no, I think it just came from that and me just being a big dork and then just getting really obsessed <laughs> with it. And it, and you know, I I I moved on from anime, but I'm still just kind of posting online so <laughs> yeah well, it, what have you picked up along the way what, what was the that sort of the hardest thing you you've had to go through through like starting at 13 to, to now because I, I started at a similar age like very young and mm. doing posting stuff about football and like, mm. graphics and edits and that stuff so I, I sort of know that journey a little bit so I, mm-hmm. what, what was what was the toughest thing for you um I think honestly one of it was like actually being like oh I could like give this a go I don't know I come from like quite a working class family and the idea of like taking the risk to go to university to be a designer like I'm the first person from my whole lineage that's been to university and I remember I told my dad I wanted to do illustration and firstly he didn't know what that meant and secondly he was like can you do a maths degree like on the side just to like make sure (laughs) and I was like uh, I don't think I'll have time on the weekends <laughs> to do a maths degree. But I think one of the hardest things was, yeah, just taking the risk of like, 
well, this is the only thing I can ever see myself doing and the only thing I enjoy. And I'm going to be miserable if I don't do it. So I'm going to have to do it. But God, how terrifying Mm. to actually take the leap and be like, I'm going to draw and hopefully someone will pay me to do it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, that is, yeah, there is a, a thought that comes through every creator's mind or every creator's mind is, will you come out of uni with, with the, you know, the need or, or the, the, uh, the supplies like necessary to to get the job and get an actual fulfilling, fulfilling career? Um, mm-hmm. So, do many people take illustration at uni and then not do anything afterwards with it? Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, I mean, I'm not sure. Like from who I see graduate there is kind of a very small percentage that like kind of break in and I think a part of that is just I mean I found with my course like I've spoken to some people who've had who did amazing design courses and they've taught me about everything like Falmouth and stuff they've taught me about told me about what they learn and it sounds great but I found that my course was a bit outdated and I feel like if I had just listened to what my lecturer said then I would be quite stuck as well because I think just the nature of learning off someone who did the craft 20 years ago, especially in an industry where it's like even five years ago, it was completely different. And um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it's challenging, but it's it's really challenging to like actually do it after uni. Um, but yeah, I think it is quite a small percentage of people actually do it afterwards. Yeah, yeah, I always saw that through throughout school, college, and then I didn't go to uni, but I guess it'd be the same. You always see the people that are really keen on doing it and really wanting to do it, and they're the ones that push through, and you see them go on uh, the next sort of next wave of uh, I don't know the people. Yeah, the people that are pushing, yeah, pushing for the the extra bit of help or the extra bit of advice or the yeah mm. the next wanting to actually be pursuing design and creative um, subject. Yeah, it's interesting that I wonder I wonder what percentages. Mm. So I reckon it's quite low. People that sort of make mm. it, I guess. Oh, it must be. make it. Yeah. Like uh, you have those surveys that you didn't go to uni, but when you're applying for uni, uh, there's like websites that show you percentages of who has a full time job six months out of uni and whatnot, and they don't like tell you that that also means like you know working at you know just a supermarket. It just means right. you're working after uni. So it, it doesn't. There's no like thing that tells you whether people are actually doing that yeah. after uni, but yeah, they must know that they must they must have a figure. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, how do you get on with your teachers? Because this is a big thing that that I've heard from um, people coming through universities. It, some like you said yourself, like you're not sure about the teachers learning it from people that are not in the industry right now. Do mm. you get on with your teachers? Do you do you? Lightly? Uh, no, not really. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, we have to talk about this if you don't want to. No, I mean, I don't, I don't mind because I find it really interesting as well. Like I've met people who had, who, who again told me amazing things about their course, but I just, yeah. I think about in my second year, I kind of cottoned on because I was so desperate to do it and I was so keen to just, I just really wanted to be freelance. I really wanted to do it. And um, and so I was going to events, you know, like the future event that I think we met at. And um, 
I went to so many Glug events because they're great in London. Um, they're like a fiver if you're a student. And the things that people at these events who were actually working were telling me were like the complete opposite of what my lecturers were telling me. Mm. And like certain things my lecturers were telling me were like, just slowly, like piece by piece, it started to add up in my head of just like, I don't think you know, I think you're a bit out of date. And yeah, um, yeah. but just piece by piece. And after a while, I just kind of, you know, was like, well, at the end of the day, I've been working for like two years and no one's ever asked if I went to uni, what I got at uni, what anyone said about my uni work. It's once you leave uni, like no one cares. It's just all That's about your portfolio. Thing. Same thing with school in like, A-levels as well in mm. college. It's always about the next thing. Once you've got uni, once you become a natural illustrator, I guess mm. a bit. I mean, you can become, you, you were a natural illustrator at university as well, but once you guest step into the industry, whilst you're not a student anymore, it's um, yeah, people don't don't ask. But uh, yeah, that's that's an interesting one. How how mm. have uh, how have you uh, how have you like, dealt with that? How have you got advice from other people? How how have you still been current whilst not having teachers that are necessarily on top of everything? Uh, I think going to events is just so important and. Also being online, like I feel like Twitter is just amazing. I've learned so much from Twitter and just following yeah. so many other artists and also like knowing Connor and kind of knowing a lot of graphic designers. I've learned so much from graphic design about how yeah. to run a business specifically. I don't know what it is about graphic design, but you guys are just so much more businessy. Like illustration is kind of leaning a bit more towards like arty farty fine art like we want to <laughs> skip around and watercolors and stuff whereas graphic design it's like especially with branding which is what Connor yeah. does it's super business and um yeah I think just going to events is super important talking to people and I mean uh, designers are really nice like the amount of times that I've just emailed someone and been like how do I do this and then they all tell you because they were doing the same thing two years ago as well um yeah I think just talking to people who are doing it now because it is so fast-paced you can't reach out to someone that had a design book 15 years ago because chances are they don't know what twitter is and yeah that's a good point that's a good point yeah I, I wonder that about books and things people have to I, I, I wonder if it will be like the same tutorials or things like that, or if there is advice. Because we talk to obviously a lot of illustrators and creators on the podcast each each week, and I wonder mm. if like, advice sort of ages and changes. There must be some because there is books that stick around for a long time, so there must be advice that is sort of stays with people and I guess do mm. good work, like work hard and be nice to people. That sort of advice, like the generic sort of mm. advice. Um, what's what's the bit of advice that you picked up along the way? What's uh, what's like, the best bit of advice you've received? Um, hmm. Hard to say, really. I mean, I've learned so much from Connor about like proposals and, uh, oh, probably one of the best things is always get on a call with a client. If they come mm. to you and email you, I always want to get on a call with them. And I think people really appreciate it as well. Um, I think doing business over emails is fine, but 
if you can put a face to a name and have a chat and be like, hey, I'm a person and I'm going to work for you. And if we have a bit of a nice rapport, then it will just flow better. I think trying to get on calls is really good. And yeah, I, I, I mean, I've learned a lot from Connor about like proposal stages mm. of roughs and, you know, just businessy uh, stuff. Process, but, yeah. Mm, process things. Uh, how is it? How important has it been to like, have someone that is, is in the industry and like be with Connor? I guess. Like, how, how, <laughs> I always wondered that. Would, would you want a partner that's another creative and a designer? It's we've, obviously worked out for you two. <laughs> we've spoken about it a lot, and we've both said if we both did the same thing, it wouldn't work because we'd be too competitive about it. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, if he was better than me, I'd hate him. If I was better <laughs> than him. I'd get mad at him for not being better. Like it, it wouldn't work. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't want to give him too much credit, but <laughs> it, it, it's great to just um, kind of just sit and watch and be like, oh, that makes sense. Oh, that makes sense. And yeah, I think that's why talking to um, other kind of young designers, especially if you're just starting, yeah, is sure. really important to kind of figure out how they did it and what's good to do now what's kind of the culture of being freelance and working with people now yeah yeah what, what's what is it like what is freelancing as a young designer in 2020 like uh, maybe 2021 <laughs> let's say that when the virus is all over um i mean at the moment it's pretty funny it's just a lot of people like uh messaging me like most of the work i've gotten in the past year has been quite big companies that have now found themselves with nothing to do but they still have a little pocket of cash and they want to reinvest in like branding or like um i kind of word it quite crudely as big business likes illustration to make them look less evil um <laughs> like if you if you like slap a nice happy smiley group of people drawing on a brand it suddenly is like cool to the millennials and whatnot and so mm. lots of people are reinvesting in that at the moment and so every email I get is like hey uh we have nothing to do <laughs> and have had nothing to do for six months uh do you want to do lots of things <laughs> all at once um but yeah it's it's been surprisingly busy really um yeah that's good to hear though that's mm. like it's great news for, for like, the industry has it's been an interesting one because you hear stories of a lot of people losing jobs and losing gigs and sort of march mm. and then it really slowed down for everyone for that sort of first lockdown and then it picked up a little bit and it seems to be really sort of back almost back to normal for a lot of people now mm. um, so I spoke to, to um, we did a podcast with Max from Ragged Edge which is a big London studio um, Millie who is a small business owner obviously by herself just got the two perspectives and both of them said they're you know they're doing really well um, mm. although a bit from home and you know not being in close contact with people but it's, it's doing really well again um, so it's an interesting one seeing how, how you're reacting to it as well it's, it's good good to hear mm. uh, yeah I think uh, we've kind of reached that point where uh, everything kind of died off because everyone was like oh we'll just have a bit of a slow bit and now we've kind yeah. of reached the point where like all business has to continue now we don't really have a choice and so everything's picked up again as everyone's been like okay I guess we'll do it then I guess we'll do what we have to do um, yeah I, that, that's what I've heard as well just from Twitter and 
listening to other people it seems to have picked up again which is great yeah that's good that's good um how, how have how have you managed uh, that time over over the, the gradual decline of work and then come back up um my my kind of decline was uh just as i was finishing my first book which was i was just very busy <laughs> anyway yeah, yeah. so it was okay for me um and then as it was picking up i just finished that and so i managed to get some other things to do but nice. the gradual decline was yeah again just crazy luck really but um yeah no when it first began i was just finishing my book and it had been like five months of just churning out artwork and i was kind of just hanging on in there so i still very busy i'm a bit regretful i didn't get to have a bit of a snooze before getting back into it honestly but i can't complain because like you said amazing timing yeah yeah for sure i'm definitely onto the book in a bit but the uh the the, the amount the actually i forgot what i was gonna say <laughs> uh, <laughs> Okay, we'll get onto the book. That's completely gone out of my head. I'm sorry about that. That's all right, no worries. Ah, shit. Okay, let's talk about the book. Oh, I'll cut mm. it in. It's a seamless cut. Um, <laughs> that's terrible. Uh, see, see, oh, I sort of write the, the book. Uh, is, well, it's, is that the 50 Adventures in 50 States book? Okay, mm. cool. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. How long did it take to do that? So it's 100 pages, right? It was 100 pages, so 50 spreads, and I got five months to do it, which sounds like a lot, but once you break it down into each month, you get 20 working days, and then if you're doing 10 spreads and 20 working days, you're doing a spread every two days, and that means a sketch, an amendment, a colour, a colour amendment, yeah. and it it was rough. It was real rough. <laughs> it was. It's just the kind of the nature of publishing, like... I'm not complaining or anything. It was great to do. It was definitely a learning curve. Um, but publishing tends to be like that. It's very fast and very intense. You would think, you know, drawing for kids' books would be very cute and fun, but it's pretty intense. It's pretty, it can get quite rough. Um, but no, yeah, it, it was great. Just very fast. And I was very tired at the end of it <laughs> I wonder if that's the thing that you get coming out of university if it's because um, you get you tend to get like a longer period of time to do projects in uni right I might, might be mm. wrong on this but that's what I've heard um, so coming out of university and then doing that pretty much like almost straight away doing a project which is pretty much a normal sort of turnaround I guess for, for books mm. and for most people um, illustrators so it's that's such a drastic difference. I think that's that may be what kills people. I think as well is is that quick time. I know we've got, we've got friends who work with football clubs and doing illustrations and um, and yeah, it's, it's such a quick turnaround and it's, mm. it's it kills people because it's you can't always be creative every single day at that at that at that higher level. Yeah, I think uh, someone told me once you can only be creative or like actually be engaging creatively like four hours a day, and yeah, that made so that. much sense to me. Because I'm pretty sure my hours are like 11 till 3. And then everything before that has to be emails. And everything after that is like, uh, I don't want to do it. Uh, and <laughs> like just forcing colours onto the page. But um, yeah, yeah. Uh, what did you say, sorry? <laughs> no, about, <laughs> I'm no, doing it the, to you now. 
Yeah, no. Uh, about the uh, the transition from from university being like a long time. Frame yeah. And then, like, such a quick mash mash up. Yeah, I mean. Uh, the first two years of uni, they were really nice to us. It was like, you need to do three things, you have three weeks to do it. And that kind of filled me with dread, because I was like, what does that mean? What are they expecting? Do they have to be really good? It, it, yeah. it makes you go like, what do they want? What does that mean? And um, But no, I I think I'm, I, I draw quite quickly anyway. Um, I'm definitely not a perfectionist. <laughs> I'm just like, I want it done and I want it, over there and I want to go on the next thing and so I, I'm quite quick but yeah it was yeah it, it was a bit of a shock to be like oh my god they weren't kidding when they said that it was like this <laughs> it's it's tough so so talk me through how you got this project and how it worked out because it's, it's huge it's a huge, like I say, it's a huge project you must be immensely proud of it now by looking mm. at it and seeing the book in sh- in the, on shelves and in shops and yeah I haven't yet world. I haven't seen it. I I keep dragging Connor into Waterstones being like, it'll be there today. And having to like embarrassingly be like, have you got this book in? And they're like, no, do you want me to order it for you? And I'm like, no, I just wanted to see if it was in. (laughs) (laughs) But um, uh, no, so yeah, the uh, publishing person was at my degree show. And um, throughout my course, again, from talking to people from events and stuff, I was just told make things that you want to be hired to do mm, like exactly in the way you want to be hired to do it and so i dedicated like the last year of uni to like i made a cookbook i made a kids book i made loads of books and i think that's what got the publisher to be like oh she can do books because she's done books and um but yeah no it, it was it was great i w- i was very like shocked that they wanted me to do it um but of course very happy and yeah no it it was very long and now I look back on it and at the time it was it was just tough because (laughs) like I say I'm not a perfectionist but um you kind of have to I have quite a high standard and once when you're doing things that quickly you just can't work to that standard and you have to accept that the bar is where they put it it's not where you put it Mm -hmm. which is quite tough and um, so there's parts of it now that I'm proud of, but mostly I'm just kind of proud that it's done. I'm like, it's over. I've, I did it. But yeah, yeah. So do you, would you want to do more of those projects? Would you, would you want to do more more books? And... I'm doing another one now with another publisher. Really? Great. Yeah, yeah. Um, this one with Big Picture Press. But yeah, this one I get longer time, which is great. And um, I've been actually... I have to finish it by February and I've just been doing a bunch of side projects and I'm trying to stop myself from taking on anything else because I've been like severely neglecting it and I need to go do it <laughs> but um yeah no I I really like doing it it is just tough it's yeah. it's it's so quite what, a slog what makes it most tough then is it, is it the the time management sort of side of things it's just the speed in which you have right. to do things it is just such a robotic process of like um, with non-fiction, uh, the publisher will give you a list of, well, in the type of book I was doing, it was like, it needs to be a scene here. It needs to have this 20, these 20 things in it. It needs to say this in these places, go. And then I have to puzzle it all together, send it off. And then they have 
uh, things want me to change and so I make amendments and go through all that but it's very snappy and quick and you just you can't like because you kind of want it to be something that you're really proud of and you want to show everyone so you want to like you know obsess over it and make it gorgeous but you just don't have the time so you just have to throw it all together um, which is quite challenging but hey it was fun. <laughs> it's impressive that, that the the mental sort of side of things, and we, I'm not sure if that gets talked about enough in the industry. Mm. How how much how taxing that would be? Like it's a fresh start on a blank page. I know every designer knows if if, if you're giving you're given text, you're given a picture, you're given um, sort of a style. I now put it together and make it look pretty. Like mm. From from a blank page, it's, it's tricky. But from an illustrator illustration point of view, you've got to actually draw something. It's got to it's got to look format wise it's actually got to look really like the right proportions the right shapes mm. and I, I i yeah it's such a such a i guess longer process i think than, than throwing something together on the design page but mm. um also with illustration you've got your own you, there's less rules i think as well because design you have specific rules you've got mm. sort of hierarchy you've got balance you've got yeah those principles I guess. and then uh illustration is more your style so that was that a big factor as well then them sort of seeing your work and then saying this is how we we want you to do it just yeah sort of make it your own yeah that's kind of one of the things that got me through it because I was like they wouldn't have hired you if they didn't yeah, like yeah. what you did and that's the kind of thing you just have to tell yourself that's that's what I tell myself today with everything I'm like they wouldn't have hired me if they didn't think I could do it and didn't trust yeah. I can do it so I can probably do it um but yeah you're right it with this one specifically it was part of a series anyway and they had a few that were very kind of minimal um i can't remember the name of the artist who does them but quite minimal pastelly shapes and then another one in the series was a lot closer to like pictorial things and they were like you you are right in the middle and we want you to do this because of that and so i had to just be like they know better than you <laughs> they're a publisher they've done it hundreds of times before you can probably do it um yeah, you just have to trust them, trust that they know <laughs> that you can do it as well. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's oh, oh, that, that's a tricky one as well because when you come out of university or when you start off the industry, um, from talking to people and my own experience as well, as you know, this feeling is you need someone to inject a bit of, of um, self belief in you. You need you mm. need, uh, you need those few projects under your belt where you get those a bit more self belief. Because you're very fragile coming in, in, into the industry, it can be it can be really cutthroat, and mm. you, need to have thick, you do need to have thick skin when you know, clients don't like your work, or um, mm. you know, someone uh, tells you it's a shit piece of work, or all sorts, <laughs> um, or on, you get a bad Instagram comment, and oh, yeah, you know those sort of things. Um, so yeah, how have you built up that? How have you built up the the, the self confidence and the, the moving forwardness? Um, exactly that really just um, after you've done it a few times and I think uh, I mean it sounds terrible but after people have told you that right. you're good and you've done it <laughs> like a few right. times it kind of starts to sink in with me anyway but um, yeah my first few jobs one was uh, after uni one was um, animating some stuff for an app and I'd never animated that much before and I literally did it like raster frame by frame, which they were just like, as long as it looks good in the end, we don't care, but a bit weird. <laughs> and um, 
and the book and then a few other things and it kind of I think after the book and a few other I was like oh um all these people have trusted me to do this so I guess I guess I'm good enough and I guess I can keep doing it and and as well as much as I hate to admit I think people being nice to you on the internet about your work doesn't doesn't hurt like (laughs) that's quite nice as well um yeah it's not not a very good answer other people telling you but (laughs) that's where I get my self-belief but hey (laughs) (laughs) yeah but it probably does all stem from that um yeah I'm just trying to think of our friends and people our own age as, as well same pretty much exactly the same age of uh of creatives there's a guy called Callum Seymour who's also based in Sheffield I was just thinking as you were saying that there's a huge huge uh really cool like group of creatives in Sheffield now it's a real mm. like, growing creative city yeah um it's fantastic fantastic stuff um anyway he, yeah he's worked with huge football clients and sports mm. clients and um doing fantastically and, and, and yeah really really well um so it's, yeah it's just great great to see our, our age group doing some really cool stuff mm. it's, it's good to make friends with you guys and, and yeah. do a podcast and share advice and all sorts of stuff and hopefully help the next year group and the next year group yeah well saying that you might be really dangerous and there will be like 16 and incredible and we'll have to like cancel everything be like no yeah, <laughs> no yeah. you're not allowed no the yeah, stop it, it. <laughs> yeah um what, what was what's the biggest learning you've had because it's quite a formative age right I mean, going through university, especially, uh, and having that whole process. So, what's the what's one of the, like what's the biggest lesson you learned? Sort of maybe outside of design as well. Mm. Oh God. Um, uh, I well, think you've also one been of. Around as well. Sorry, sorry. Oh, what, what was that? Sorry. I was, was going to say you also like, moved around a bit as well. You've been in London. You've been in Sheffield. So you you probably got a bit more experience than others of moving and, and experiencing different cities too. Yeah, yeah. I mean. Um, I don't know. I think uh I think one of the biggest lessons design-wise was kind of to trust my own instincts more, especially with the uni situation, um where things were just niggling at me and I was like, "Oh, I think I think I might know what I'm on about actually. That's a bit weird." Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think, "Oh, I think I might be right." That was kind of again a self-belief thing where I was like oh wow I think I know what I'm doing and I think it's happening and I think it's happening well um yeah I'm I'm not sure how to answer the other one really I think I've definitely learned a lot since uh leaving uni and moving away I moved I moved uh out of my parents house really quite young I've always been like really quite independent but I think moving to Sheffield especially has been great and uh, a bit lame with the pandemic. I'm sure you can relate yeah. to when you move somewhere and all you want to do is just go out and explore and see everything and you can't do it. And you just kind of have to nestle like a little chicken at home and like wait to do it. But yeah, not sure. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> uh, <laughs> is, is there anything about Sheffield that you really like? What What's the biggest thing you, you like about Sheffield? Uh, uh, honestly, the the plan to move here was just, I'd just been in London for three years and I realised for the price of rent of a room in mm. London, I could get a house here. 
And we were like, let's do that. <laughs> that makes more sense because we're both remote, so we could kind of go anywhere. And I really hadn't travelled much and I hadn't been up north like at all. Mm. And um, yeah, we just, we did a bit of a tour. We went to Manchester and we went here. And um, Manchester was great, but it just kind of felt like London. But I said to my friend, it's just London, but red brick instead of white. Like the city centre is just London, but red. And um, whereas here, it's like... I don't know if you spent much time here, but the whole city, the whole city centre is just like a mile square in a ring mm. road, and you can walk across it in like half an hour. And then around it is just like hills and suburbs, but it's kind of got everything you need, but it's really small, mm. and it's surrounded by like amazing views and hills and the Peak District and stuff. And yeah. and and like you said, I think one of the big things is how cheap it is. Um, which I think is why there's such a flood of creative people moving here at the moment. Um, and of course it's gorgeous and small and quite quaint, but also a city. It's got everything you need, but small. And, um, yeah, no, I, I really like it here. It's, it's really nice. It's surprised me despite not being able to do much. It's been really nice. (laughs) It's, it's an interesting one because I thought I, I always said to myself I'd never move into London but then I got a job which is based mm. in London so I was like ah, yeah. I sort of sort of stuck there <laughs> yeah yeah uh, but after three years of living in London you say you, you wanted to leave I'm wondering mm. if I'll ever get to that point because I'm not I'm not particularly keen on the like, I like the romantic idea of having a big like, a nice view over the city of London I think that's mm. that'd be amazing like having an apartment which is high up in the building and having a lovely view mm-hmm. at night just watching just watching the lights yeah yeah but I don't have that at the moment so it's like, <laughs> 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 so like well huh. How do, if I if I don't get to that point I have to move out of London because I won't be able to afford it anymore but mm. I heard um, actually my local greengrocer had, so we've got a little market outside our flat and they were shouting around and in an argument saying people are moving out of London and um you know, I, can't, I, can't, I don't really know what the context was, but they were saying about people moving out and the pandemic, and we're still really expensive. I wonder, I wonder if that will happen. If, if anything will happen with um, people just staying out of London, and eventually it will just sort of the prices will go down <laughs> or not. You, I yeah, I was thinking that the other day. If everyone like mass exodus is out of London, will yeah. it become more expensive or cheaper? Who knows? Will it? Will rich people want to live there more or less? You don't know, but yeah, I know what you mean. I think, I think one of the big motivators was I was a student in London, so you're like double broke. Mm. So you can, it's it's not a good existence. It's you know just you can't you can't really enjoy London if you're living off like fifty quid a week. <laughs> it's right, really right. rubbish. Um, but I think if you actually like yourself had a good job and like a good place to live and stuff I'm sure it's amazing and but I think I, I was really used to it and now I go back and I think maybe the pandemic's kind of freaked me out a bit like I, I rode the tube like twice a day for three years but now I yeah. get on the tube and I'm like I can taste it yeah, <laughs> I can uh, yeah. feel I it mean, <laughs> it's in my that, eyes yeah you know? yeah that thickness you get when you go down to the tube and it's, it is a different type of air and you, and you come off feeling all greasy and horrible yeah, it's very historic. I like to think like I'm breathing a hundred year old air. It's like I'm like part that, of yeah. history. <laughs> I know what you mean, but that's uh, 
Yeah, I don't like that idea. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I, it's an interesting one because I, I, I keep saying it's an interesting one. But it, it's yeah, Sheffield is going to be the next next big thing, I think, mm. in terms of creators moving there, and it's going to be a big scene in a couple of years' mm. time. So I'll keep an eye on it. Um, mm. <laughs> but yeah, uh, so how how's I guess how have you managed that freelancing side of things then? Because again, I don't know how many people go into freelancing straight out of university, or I guess have the courage to do that as well. Mm. So that's a big thing. Well, with me, it was again quite accidental. Like I was very prepared to just get a job when I needed to. Like I had a little pocket of savings of my maintenance load left, and I was like, I'll just live off this, and then when it runs out, I'll get a job. Um, and I just kept being very lucky and picking up jobs, and then being like, I just put off that side job another month or oh, wait another job it'll be fine um yeah uh but no it it it's been good really um it is quite rare from what i can tell to go freelance straight out of uni from what from what i've seen the main kind of structure is go into in-house or agency work and then try and create more of a online presence and um that kind of stuff and then go freelance so yeah not that I wouldn't ever do that honestly I think agency work or working in-house might be quite cool one day but at the moment freelance is really good it's it's really nice like uh to kind of be in control of like everything that's happening and be like I'm gonna do it this way and I'm gonna do it in this amount of time and I can do it and yeah, no, it's it's been it was a massive learning curve. Um I think the the main thing was like uh the courage of like negotiating and talking money and stuff. That was just not yeah, not a never in my life. We're not a talking money family. We like never spoke money, you know what I mean? So trying to have that conversation was scary. But you, yeah, you figure it out. It was definitely a learning curve though. That's that's probably the biggest thing, right, with going into the industry is, is where do I get my money from? I think that's a sort of guiding. Mm. As much as people do like doing illustration, do like doing design because they like doing design and illustration, but that is the ultimate goal, isn't it? To, to get money so you don't have to, uh, you can retire, I guess. And uh, mm. you, can, you can just be on your own watch and maybe mm. freelance or, that's why, people, that's why people do studio work or work for a company so they can save up and go freelance so they're on their own watch and do things they, that they like. So doing that straight out of uni and having having the funds I guess to do it and, and mm. being able to do it straight away is, is a huge thing. Um, so yeah, congratulations and well done. Mm, uh, thank you. Do you have thank any, you very much. Do you have any advice for people that want to do that? Do you have any people advice for um, students planning on going freelance? And um, I, I, I want to ask like how much did you have saved up, but that's probably quite a personal question. <laughs> Uh, literally nothing at all, really. Maybe a grand of my maintenance I had saved up. Okay. And, um, but I'm very good at living off nothing. Like, I, I'm a real, like, saver. Um, but I think advice-wise, the biggest, 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 biggest thing is online presence. Um, like I said, I was doing it, well, I had practice doing it on, like, Tumblr and DeviantArt when I was, like, 13. But yeah. I think... The biggest one at the moment, well, the two biggest ones are Dribble and Twitter. I think Twitter's better because it's more conversational and more chatty. Dribble 
Dribble's good, but I think I feel like it's a bit less of a social thing. It's maybe kind of what Behance is trying to be. I don't know. They all have different kind of vibes to them. <laughs> but I think Instagram, Behance and Twitter are super important and just be posting things that you want to be hired to do, talking to other creatives all the time, engaging in the community because it is kind of a little chatty community. Um, and going to events and talking to designers, again, is really important. Um, there is some amazing lecturers, but I think not taking... Don't trust your whole future and all the advice of just your lecturer. You need to be like talking to people who are doing it now. And um, yeah, but I think social media is huge. Like, I think pretty much most of my work I've gotten from stupid tweets that have gone viral. And then I get a bunch of people being like, haha, I saw your funny tweet. Do you want? to draw this for me <laughs> I'm like yeah I guess sure um but yeah social media for sure super so important what's an example funny of a viral tweet that you've, you've put out there and how's oh. it got in your work oh god um I I made a tweet about because I was after uni I moved back in with my dad and the plan was to like live there for three months and then move away and then the pandy happened and so yeah. I was there for a bit longer but we were like sharing a desk and I was drawing ducks for this book and he's an aerospace engineer. So he was like on a call talking science and stuff. And I thought it was funny. So I tweeted about it and it's, it got like, um, 750,000 retweets and stuff. And I like all these people were emailing me about work and it was such a weird flood of like, haha, I saw your funny duck tweet. And um, yeah, I got to work with Jonathan Hofler through that. He like he like sent me a screenshot of it and was like, "Tee this made me laugh." <laughs> and I was like, "Jonathan Hofler," <laughs> but um, yeah, no stuff like that. But again, it's all it's luck based. But yeah. you kind of just have to be very online. <laughs> it's all I can say. Well, so I think I was talking to Connor about it before as well, and and he's he's talked about um, sort of getting into groups, and you can use the search function as well. You can to to find work, and um, just the online presence thing is huge. Uh, were you doing a lot of that at uni as well? Were you, were you doing it alongside? Uh, we were kind of told how to do it, but my lecturers uh, were kind of like, oh, it's. I think they saw it as more of a fad than like the new stage of designing and how people find work. It was like, oh yeah, you should probably make an Instagram. But they kind of um, focused on you need to you need to make a website, but you don't have to make social media. But right, I mean, it's like the other way around, isn't it? Really? Yeah, a website yeah. without social media is just a page in the ether that no one can find. Yeah, yeah. Um. So, yeah, we weren't really that told to do it at all. Um. I just kind of did it anyway because I, I like the internet. But <laughs> uh, sorry, my laptop was good. Let's plug it. I know. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, it's, uh, yeah. I, I've always confused you now when people people say the website is more important than a social media page. Mm. So I've, I've just taken my website down and have you? Because I, I didn't want to pay Squarespace another two hundred pounds to keep it up. Wow, um, that's a bold modern move. 
well, I think it's I think it's just cause I've got a job now and I don't really need any freelance projects. Yeah. Um, if I do, they'll come through social media. I've never really mm. got a couple of things from a website, but they've always come through social media and then my website. Mm. So, so yeah, I just thought I didn't don't really need it anymore. And that's that's a that's an interesting debate, you know. Uh, do you still need a website in twenty twenty or twenty twenty one? I mean. Mine's rubbish. It's real bad. Like compared to like a graphic designer's website, it's just a big cloud of images. But I think with an Illustrator, you just want to click a button and it basically just be maybe a bit prettier Instagram page. Like you just want to scroll through it and see a hundred things and be like, yeah, okay, I know what they do. Um, like it's not fancy at all, but I don't think it has to be. It should just be well, for like branding and stuff that Connor does, obviously you need to prove you're clever and can like do more than just like design. But um, as an illustrator, it's just a portfolio site. So yeah, you totally could just use Dribble or Instagram as a website. It's yeah, I think that's you, way more important. Yeah, exactly. Because you've got all of the. I mean, there's social proof on there as well. I guess with the as much as we all say followers don't matter. I mean, the number that you got next to your name does count for something. Um, as in people see the big number next to your name and think oh wow that must be must be a good illustrator or must be um, trustworthy mm. or must be uh, well followed or they've done big work so that does it does have a factor in it as well and with websites you can't see that so it's more of mm. down to the down to the um, uh, down to the, 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 the person's opinion of you um, and obviously with Instagram and social media you can see the likes and comments and all that as well, um, and it's also probably just a quicker a quicker way of viewing someone's work. Um, mm. I did actually look back at your Instagram. I noticed. Have you deleted stuff on your Instagram, or have you kept it sort of from the start? Um, I think I have. There's definitely because yeah. it used to be a half kind of like personal photo and half artwork, and then after a certain point, I was like, I should probably take like clubbing photos down from here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't think I should have that up anymore. And I think I deleted some really old stuff um that really sucked but um personally I kind of love it you know when you find an artist that's amazing and you scroll back five years to when they weren't so amazing and it kind of fills your heart with glee that it's like I could do that (laughs) in five years I could be that good as well um I wanted to keep it up for that reason to be like look if you scroll back I'm terrible (laughs) I'm really bad see that goes against my thought of train of if you don't need a website, then you want to keep your social medias really clean and simple and, and of your mm. best work. So I've I started this year. I went down on my Instagram, just got archived archived everything, mm. and um, just tried to keep my so called best work or sort of the work that I thought would get me more work or the work that I'm wanting to do more of. So it's an interesting mm. approach to it. You can definitely do it both ways. Mm. Um, yeah, nowadays I'm really kind of a bit too like special about it like to like I get all like oh I can't post something blue because the last thing I post was blue and then in the thing it all looked too blue (laughs) you know and I get a bit too hung up on it now I think I need to just be like here's a doodle throw up here's a this who's you know but um yeah no I think if you're going to use it as your website it does need to because I mean some people are really fancy and do you know all patterns and stuff with it and that looks great mm. i don't think i can do it though i'm too <laughs> i'm not that good but yeah i know what you mean 
I've always thought about taking uh, inspiration from agencies. I think that's probably mm. um, the people that we sort of see as the top of the game. But the, yeah. obviously, freelancers are at the top of the game as well. Um, but the people that so are working with the big companies are getting the the huge clients. Um, so I always look at those sort of people and see how mm. they're doing it. You know, you're seeing a lot of Instagram carousel sort of projects. You're seeing a lot of uh, a lot of the free column, free mm. uh, rows. So it's, yeah, definitely take inspiration for them. That's how I do it. Mm. Yeah, yeah for sure. Um, cool. Well, uh, one thing I did want to like, talk about quickly as well is the your approach to briefs. Because mm. um, something that I think a lot of young illustrators and people coming into the industry may not know about how do you mm. get a brief what is a brief and how do you approach it um so usually uh i mean there is some really good example really good times where like an agency will come to me and they know what i want to hear they'll be like we want this and like this and this time with this and this and that how much will it cost and that's great but the majority of the time it will be someone like hey i have a website and i need X amount of drawings for it, uh, can you do it? And then it's kind of your job to translate that into a brief for them and then mirror it back to them. Um, and so that's when I'll have the call where usually they'll just talk at you for a long time and then you pick out the points and ask them like, okay, when do you need it by? If you don't know when you need it by, when do you want it to be published? Um, where is it going to be on the website? Uh, what's the size going to be? Do you have brand colors that you want me to work within? What license do you need? And then usually they'll be like, what does that mean? And you're like, okay, <laughs> there's a thing called licensing where um, it's not great for me to give you the copyright of the artwork because I can't say I did it. And also you could put it on a billboard or write it in mm. the sky for the same price that I sold it to you to put on a website. So it doesn't work out for me. And, um, and licenses work in like territory, time and where they'll be. So for example, if it was a website, I'd have to figure out, let's say they wanted it forever only on the website global because internet would be global online license and from that call then I'll write up I have a template of a big long proposal I use which will just basically write out all those things for them like really simply in layman's terms so yeah timeline explain my process as well which is a pretty simple illustration process it's like stage one roughs stage two amending roughs, stage three colored artwork, and then a little bit of time at the end to like amend colors, but not the sketch, if that makes sense. And then, and then when they're happy with the proposal, <laughs> sorry, this might be long. Um, and then when they're happy with the proposal, uh, send them over a contract. And my kind of, if I'm not working, let's say with a publisher or an agency, my, um, processes I always take 50% off front up front um I think I don't know why that isn't taught in unis like I remember talking to my lecturers about that and then being like no that's not how it works you can't do that and I was yeah, like why strange. I was so like you've got to do it you've got to yeah you've got to take at least 20, I'm not going to 50% up front and then yeah yeah uh, and you, you can do it depending on how much it is I guess uh and how yeah. comfortable client is for you but I've always I think 
I think for every job, I think over a hundred pounds I've taken fifty percent. Mm. Um, you I mean, have you to. Every job, yeah. The only the only bad side is you get it and then you're like, oh, I have to do the work now. <laughs> like, <laughs> the incentive's not... gone right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like, oh, I've got the money <laughs> in my account now. Damn it. Um, but uh, yeah, so send over the contract and the invoice for the first half, and then go away and make the roughs. Send that over. I send over everything in presentations. I think that's what I've learned from like where I'm a bit graphic designy, where I will make a nice presentation and um, send it over. I think that's just me being a bit extra because <laughs> I like I like just putting the art on and like writing stuff and matching it. Like I'm in like ICT in like year seven, you know. But um, yeah, send over the roughs. Uh, get feedback, send over amended roughs if there's amendments, get feedback again, do the coloured artwork, send that over again. And then, um, uh, yeah, and then I guess debrief and just be like, cool, we're all good. Here's my invoice for the last 50%. Uh, once I have proof that I... Connor's always told me I need to get the last money before I send over the files. Uh, a lot of the time I'll just be like as long as you send me a remittance thing because a lot of companies you know they'll send you a remittance notice to say they've put it in I'll be like okay you can you can take them I'll, I'll wait but um yeah and also I think important thing is to don't accept like net 60 because there's no need <laughs> like just say no to like net 60 uh you What's know that? you know oh um it's when they're like oh we pay invoices in 60 days oh right 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 and and you just like no no you you don't though do you you don't come on you don't have to do that (laughs) you could just pay me now (laughs) you could just do it right now open your phone um but yeah i I always do (laughs) i always do net 14 and just be like you can have the artwork if you're gonna pay me in two weeks come on Mm. but um yeah so i think the brief it will usually come in like, I need art, ah, I don't know what I'm doing. And then it's your job to be like, translate that into a brief for them. Because a lot of the time, um, especially if people have worked with agencies or haven't worked with any designers before, they don't know what they're doing. They've got like a good heart and they want to do it right, but they don't know the lingo or anything. And so, especially with like licensing, you have to like translate it for them. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, this is a real tricky one. I can we do three or four podcasts on it on its own, but I think what would be best if, if um, me, Millie, and Yacoub get these documents together and put them out on Creative Waffle or circulate them around and. Um, so I speak to people like yourself, Matt Roth and uh, Will Illustration and you know, Callum and get like, a big proper thing like, sorted, a template you can have and it can be sent out to everyone. Mm. Um, so w- in the first document you send to the client with all the legal stuff and yeah, how long are you going to pay me in the agreements and the proposal, mm. is that, how, how many pages is that for you? Because I've heard it's been from anywhere from a one pager to three pages. Uh, I just send that over in an email, um, okay, so cool. I it's usually comes to like two or three pages because it's it's really just outlining everything that you've discussed so far and okay. kind of outlining your process and whatnot. And then once they're happy with that, I'll send over the contract, which I kind of have. I'm a member of the AOI, 
Association of Illustrators and they have a, a contract that I've kind of taken the terms of and then kind of built my own based off of that. Yeah. Um, so that's got most of the legal stuff in. But the actual proposal I send over, yeah, it's probably like two pages or three just because it would just be quite long if they've... Because I'll just say like, oh, and you mentioned you wanted these colours and you mentioned you needed this file format and all this kind of thing. But yeah, it, it tends to be quite hearty. <laughs> it's quite a lot of writing <laughs> at the beginning. How, how's, uh, how's that been received by clients? Are they always quite good with that? Yeah, I mean, I think, um, yeah, maybe it's just me being a bit... There's always jokes about how, as a girl, like, through email, through emails, it's all like, Hi, smiley face, how are you? Ha ha ha. I think I'm quite, like, a bit too nice sometimes. <laughs> and so, uh, when I send over quite businessy things, I tend to be quite chatty and nice and trying to make everyone feel, like, happy and comfortable. And so... Um, yeah, no, it's usually fine because they appreciate you taking the time to get what's in their head and turn it into like, look at all this businessy stuff I've made with it. Look how business this is. Business, da da. <laughs> you know? So they tend to appreciate it. I think I've never had any problems of any anyone being like, oh, this seems a bit official because they want it to be official because they're giving yeah, you yeah. money. They want yeah. you to be official and professional, you know? That's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah, we'll we'll definitely um, we'll definitely get this these documents sorted. Uh, I know Millie's working on some um, some template briefs for people as mm. well. So I think this is the stuff that uh, as Creative Waffle, this is definitely what we want to do is, is get these templates and help people that way. Um, yeah, I'm totally really... happy to send you my um, proposal template. I send it to everyone. Like people. Oh, well. DM me on Twitter and be like, how do I do this? And I'm just like, just take everything I've ever emailed anyone. <laughs> I'll That'll just be take amazing. the Yeah, of course, yeah. yeah, no worries. That'd be great. I'm pretty sure be. I've half built it off Connor's one anyway, so <laughs> <laughs> Um Yeah, wicked. That's good. That's, that's that's really good um sort of stuff for outlining the process and stuff as well. Mm. Um thank you for talking through it. Uh is there anything that people people should know before we end the podcast? Is there anything killer stuff legally or because um, I, I think the 50% stuff is probably the main one that everyone says yeah get 50% yeah. up front make sure yeah. you're on time yeah um, and you know get obviously use a contract um, get them to sign it and send it back to you that's really important and yeah I think 50% up front like I wouldn't do work for anyone without um legal proof that they're going to pay you and yeah. you know and money from them like in some situations you can't avoid it like with publishing and agency work but i i feel like with agencies and publishing you can trust them because like you know well you can hopefully because they're a big company and they can't just run away with your money without you know problems but yeah, take money from people before you start working for them. <laughs> it's very important. There is uh, a lot of things, uh, sorry, in a lot of contracts that I've heard about, when someone sends you the money, it's in the contract that that's like a, a legal yes, in a way. Mm. Um, that's like, yeah, going ahead with the project, we're going to uh, take it seriously sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. I can't remember exactly how they word it in the contract, but a lot of a lot of people have that. I used to have that in, in one page I used to send out. Um mm. 
Yeah, I can't remember exactly how I worded it, but I'll, uh, yeah, we'll sort that out. That's, that's a good thing to remind us to sort that out and um, it'd be very useful. Mm. Um, so on to the last couple of questions. First of all, what's your best purchase under £100? This is the kind of thing I think about constantly and I get excited <laughs> to tell people and then they ask me and I have no idea. Um, under £100... You know what? I'm going to be really lame. I bought a posture corrector because uh, working at a desk has ruined my body. Ruined me. Just <laughs> destroyed. Like, upper body is just made of pudding. It's terrible. Like, I sit like this. And so, yeah, it's like backpack straps without the backpack and it forces you to sit up. And um, I feel like if you're working at a desk for eight hours and, uh, yeah, you you, you got to do it. you got to do it. It's really it sad and lame. Yeah, it works. Yeah, it's hmm. horrible. The first time you put it on, it feels like you're being strangled and everything's like this, but yeah. Lamest right. answer ever. I wish I had a better thing in my brain right now, but I don't. <laughs> <laughs> That's good, but that's good answer. I've, hmm? um, I've also heard of think people getting sort of shorter chairs, as in not, not tall-wise, but so basically not, your whole legs aren't on the seat. Um, so oh. you have to be sitting on it's almost like half a seat oh like a bus stop seat yeah so you sort yeah. of have to sit up straight otherwise you'll fall off if you slouch oh. so stuff like that or a slanted seat or, a, or a... oh another thing actually is um, I got I had to buy one of those you can like make a build your own desk at Ikea with like yeah. these uh, slots that like you can pick the height and I feel like a regular desk it's too short for anyone taller than like five foot like I can't <laughs> Like, like it's so low. I don't understand. And um, but maybe it's because I work at an iPad, and so my screen isn't like up; it's down. Um, so yeah, a tall desk as well. Yeah. I always yeah. wanted a standing desk. I think I could do it. Connor's got one. Yeah. But it's like a crank one. It's not the cool like vroom one where it's like <laughs> like you have to crank it. <laughs> yeah, one day, one day. I see. We're watching. Um, what TV show was it? I was watching a TV show yesterday and mm. uh, they were eating dinner off a ping pong table, a table tennis table. And I thought, ah, oh, that's the one thing I'm missing from this flat is a table tennis table. <laughs> I could do my work from it, I could eat dinner on it. It'd be ideal. I could play table tennis. It's like a multi purpose desk. Perfect. That's such a I just moved to London uh, purchase. <laughs> like, I've got my flat. I need I need lab things. I need table everything tennis. Else. That's the issue. Like, it, it came with everything else because my flatmate, he's actually in Spain, but he, he's um, it's a very techie. So he's got all the tech mm. gadgets and stuff. We've got a nice TV. We've got, yeah, we've got everything. But mm. we don't have a table tennis table. That's what we need. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, that's you, like, creating the um, uni halls environment because yeah. you didn't go. You're yeah, like yeah, making the little com commune room. The only <laughs> issue with this is, is that we're up three flights of stairs, so we uh, won't be able to get up there. Oh uh, yeah. You have to get out here. One we have to make in the flat, and then when we take it down, it's gonna be a real issue. And <laughs> I'll be fine. I'll be fine taking it across London on the tube, like wheeling it. I don't mind being embarrassed like that. But no one does. I mean, it's London. I think I've seen people carrying ridiculous things. Have you seen yet someone who brings a fold-out chair on the tube? <laughs> if you haven't, you will. You you definitely will. And we'll it will be an old. Now. It will be like an old little lady, and she'll just like chink, throw it That's down, amazing. sit down. 
I've seen a few of them. It's always a special day <laughs> when you amazing. see that. <laughs> yeah, I'll look out for that. Um, cool. Well, let's go a bit deeper, I guess, in the last couple of questions. Uh, mm-hmm. what, do you have any life advice uh, for anyone listening? Um, hmm. Oh, God. things for the sake of it like I've I've always just been I've always been a bit skint like this is the first time in my life I haven't been skint and I'm so used to being skint I still can't spend it like I just can't do it and um but I feel like that's a good way to live because I'm always Mm -hmm. you're always just like told to buy things all the time whenever you're on your phone it's like buy this buy this buy this and it's like what does it mean? What does it do? Yeah. Do I care? I don't, you know? Don't buy stuff. It's lame. Absolutely. No, I, I 100% on board with that. I've um, yeah, recently sorted out my personal finances and, and got everything in order. And obviously having to move to London, you find out quickly, money goes quickly and mm-hmm. uh, heating and, and rent and electricity and Wi-Fi expenses and all that. So good answer. Yeah, I like that. Mm. <laughs> Invest, save money. Yeah, I need to learn how to invest because, again, something never taught to you. Mm. Um, I need to actually fork out for a financial advisor, I think, to tell me what to do with money because apparently if you put it places, it gets bigger, but I don't know what that means. So I've just learned everything <laughs> from YouTube, if I'm honest. Um, oh, that's a good idea. Yeah, God. There's so many good channels on YouTube. Um, like, I'll send them over, but Graham Stephan... Um, uh, is one guy that comes to mind I watch all the time um, David shit I forgot his name but yeah there you go uh, mm. David Ramsey is his name Money YouTube I need to yeah, look it's at good. Money YouTube it's really mm. really good and some great books on it as well like you can get on YouTube for free as well so um, there you go save money um, how do you want to be remembered <laughs> is the last question it's a really personal one um, uh, we ask everyone so I've got to ask you I I'm such a nihilist. Like I don't think I care. <laughs> like, <laughs> like um, like I've always just been like, when I go, I'm not gonna be there, so it doesn't matter. I think maybe that's real selfish because I'm just like, well, it won't be interesting for me because I'm not gonna be there, so why does it matter? <laughs> but um, I don't know. Uh, she was cool. Did art. You know, <laughs> nice. I it, yeah. No, no more. I don't really have any thoughts about afterwards, you know. Cool. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> good. good. I like it. Uh, where can people find you? Check out your work and, and say hello. Uh, Lydia K A Hill. Everyone thinks my name is Lydiaka or Lydia Cahill. They're my middle <laughs> names because Lydia Hill is a very common name, apparently. Um, yeah, my name is Lydia Kia Ann Hill. So Lydia nice. K A Hill. Um, on Twitter, Instagram, my website is lydiakahill.com and Dribble. I think everywhere I'm Lydia K.A. Hill. Yeah. I'm not Lydiaka. Please don't email me and be hi Lydiaka. It's not a name. <laughs> Brilliant. Thank you very much for coming on the podcast. It's been good. It's been a good chat. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Had fun. Been very fun. Thank you. <laughs> Stop recording. There we go. Yay!